On June 17, 1977, three young girls were murdered at their Girl Scout camp in Mays County, Oklahoma. Jean Leroy Hart was eventually arrested for the crime, but shockingly, a jury acquitted him in 1979. DNA testing has finally confirmed Hart's guilt. Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver, and her very naughty son, <laughs> Bruno. <laughs> Bruno is joining me. I'm trying to hold one of them because of the wild rumpus going on on the floor. They're so naughty and loud. So, yes, <laughs> welcome, Bruno. He is joining me to try to uh, shut down the fighting for a few minutes. Oh, Bruno. <laughs> Sweet boy. Well, I'm sure everyone He's is like thrilled. me. To me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, other than that, how are you? I'm great. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to go watch the more softball because we just cannot get enough. Apparently, I'm still recovering from the last one. Uh, addicted. But... That's all I'm saying. Well, <laughs> this is our Wednesday episode, and we have some interesting stuff to share with you. Mm. So we're going to start, Katie, with a segment, an MMIW segment from you. Yes. So we're talking about the case of Heather Marie Underwood. I'm going to show you her missing poster here. Heather went missing quite a few years ago and there's been nothing. So she actually was in Arizona. She was traveling to California and her car was found, but she was not. And she has never been heard from again. Not good. No. So she went missing. They believe on the 13th of December, 2020, Um, give or take maybe a day or two. She was 45. She'd be 47 now. She's around 5'2", about 190 pounds. So she was coming from Casa Grande, Arizona. But I believe they actually did find her car in Arizona or in California. Uh, So she's from the Gila River Indian community. Uh, She does have some tattoos. She has a hibiscus flower on her outer calf. She has a star on her back shoulder. Uh, She has some pretty specific medical needs and should be in need of medical care. And that's one of the biggest concerns her family has because uh, she's, they have no idea where she is or if she's getting that care. Uh, Very unlike her to just go off the map, like, you know, so many other cases that we cover that they go, well, maybe maybe she just didn't want to know you all anymore, you know, but no, no, this wasn't like her at all, but she's just gone. And it's been two years now, and they still have absolutely nothing. That is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's not a lot more to go on other than that. But when I saw this one, I just felt really drawn to Heather and really wanted to share her story. So mm-hmm. I'll just put up her poster one more time. So take a good hard look at her. Again, they think she went missing in the Huntington Beach, California area. I believe that's where her car was found. 
but that's it somewhere around November, 2020 or so sorry, right somewhere around December, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, if you know something, yeah, speak up. And it sounds like there was also somebody who thought they had seen her in El Cajon, California. So in, in that general area, at any rate, that's where she seemed to have been seen last. So okay. Okay. speak up because these are those cases that get absolutely no attention whatsoever. Right. Right. And it's very likely that people in that area did see something, you know, and yeah. didn't uh, don't know that anyone needs to know that information because yeah. I these cases just aren't getting any kind of press. They're not getting very much police coverage, just nothing. So at any rate, take a look. Yeah, and you never know when somebody might recognize someone or, you know, know something. So definitely, if you yeah. know anything, even just call your local police. Mm -hmm. They can get you connected up with the right place. Most definitely. Yeah. So, of course, holding space for Heather's family that uh, they get some answers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to kick the mic back to you for your main case. Okay. So there has been a pretty big update in the Girl Scout murders, and we've actually never covered the Girl Scout murders. So no, now might be a time to tell this story that never should have happened. And, you know, you can say that about all murders, but there are some real legit concerns mm -hmm. in this particular case. So in Oklahoma in 1977, three young girls, ages 8, 9, and 10, were taken, were murdered at Girl Scout camp and their bodies were, they were raped and murdered and then they were left on a trail not too far from their uh, tent in, and they were in their sleeping bags. Oh. Of course, a terrifying event Yeah, for everyone involved. They had not been at camp very long. They were mm -hmm. supposed to be there for two weeks. It was oh. a huge scary deal yeah and it actually shut this camp down camp scotch sure. in county oklahoma never functioned as a camp again it was this kind of camp katie you and i have been to these kinds of camps where they're tents but they're up on a platform yeah so that they're up off the ground mm -hmm. but they're just open i mean they they just have yeah. a tent door easy to uh go in and out of right yeah yeah this camp this okay i know that there was better security at the camps we went to in like the 80s and 90s um at the this point there was no there was no one like standing guard around this place yeah also there were gates coming into the ways that you could drive in that were locked mm -hmm. except of course that there was no fence around the camp so that didn't really do anyone any good at all oh, wow so there was not anything um really protecting these kids yeah their tent happened to be the one the furthest away from the camp leader so probably and and the closest one like to the edge of camp and so i'm sure it was um the easiest to get to yeah so unfortunately there had been some kind of sinister things happen around the camp prior to the girls coming that oh. went unreported. 
So you're going to start oh. to hear the reasons why this should never have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they During a training two, a couple of months before camp started, um, one of the counselors at the camp discovered that her stuff had been gone through and her donuts had been stolen. But they had left the empty box of that the donuts had been in and mm-hmm. written in the box was, we are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the director of the camp uh, thought it was just a prank and didn't do anything about it. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Very, very scary. Yeah. So they were found at about six o'clock in the morning on June 13th. The camp counselor was headed to the shower and found um, their bodies in their sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. And they realized it was the girls in tent eight had been murdered. Wow. Um, and their bodies were left on the trail so that they would be found easily. Like they didn't, there was no attempt to cover them up mm-hmm. or hide them. And it, and you know, the autopsy showed they'd been raped, bludgeoned, and strangled. Mm-hmm. They also found with the girls' bodies there was a red flashlight, and that red flashlight had a bunch of duct tape over it, so only a very small sliver of light came out. Mm-hmm. Because at night, walking through that camp, there was no electric lighting; like it was pitch black. Sure. So they had uh, the perpetrator had had used that flashlight with a very small beam of light to get around. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, there was a fingerprint on the lens of the uh, flashlight, but it has never been identified. Mm-hmm. There was a footprint from a nine and a half size shoe, and there was blood in the tent. Mm. Um, between 2.30 and 3 a.m. on that morning, somebody nearby had heard traffic mm-hmm. on a road near the camp. One of the other counselors had heard some moaning in the night uh, that they assumed to be an animal. They didn't go check on the girls. My God. Somebody also saw someone moving through the area with a very small light. Now, they had been up and down with some of the girls, um, like going to the bathroom and laughing and running around and stuff. And so, you know, they probably thought maybe this was just the kids messing around yeah they really didn't go check Mm -hmm. let me tell you why this really should have never happened so enter really the only viable suspect in this case gene leroy hart gene leroy hart was a convicted kidnapper and rapist of course escaped from the mays county jail in 1973 and had been on the run this whole time. He grew up about a mile from Camp Scott. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he, at the time that he escaped, was serving 305 years (laughs) in prison. Well, he had 305 years left. He had served three. (laughs) Yeah. That was prior to these murders. Yeah. So they knew he was a bad dude, mm-hmm. but they couldn't seem to hang on to him in jail or prison. 
And so what was found eventually is there are some caves not very far from Camp Scott. Mm -hmm. And there was evidence that he had been living in those caves and had been watching this camp. Oh, my up gosh. To this. So, you know, the, the theft, the scary note. Yeah. All him. All mm -hmm. him. So the police really did mm -hmm. believe it was him from the very beginning. He was obviously the, the you know, best contender and had been in the area. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, this happened in the 70s. They didn't have DNA at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, so they did, <laughs> they did try to try him. So they did catch him. They did catch him, yes. And they did charge him and they did take him to trial. Mm -hmm. Now, the prosecution wanted to move the trial out of their out of this county because Gene Leroy Hart was kind of a well-known football hero in high school. And yeah. Right. They were the prosecutor was worried that maybe they they couldn't get a jury that wouldn't have some bias in his favor. Uh, they didn't get the new jury. My and God, the jury acquitted him. Now he's already in jail, right? I mean, yes. So right. he's serving out his three hundred and five years, but they sure, acquitted but still, him. Yeah. And then basically this case went cold because what the hell? What are, what are they going to do now? Yeah. There had been accusations and letters and various things about other suspects but really it was so clear that it was him in this mm -hmm. situation yeah here's the real kicker um in 1979 the same year he was acquitted of these murders he died of a heart attack in prison oh he had he would had done about an hour of weightlifting and jogging in the prison exercise yard and died of a mm -hmm. heart attack so, you know, he really oh never came anywhere close to serving mm -hmm. anything, you know, yeah, that made anyone comfortable about this situation. But here you have, you know, obviously not good security at this Girl Scout camp. Yeah. Threats leading up to camp that were not acted upon. Kids that yeah. were way too far from adults. their yeah. adults. And then you have a convicted rapist and murderer who had been on the run for four years, living in a cave near the camp. Spying so, on the camp. Yeah. So the whole oh. system really collapsed mm -hmm. to the detriment of these three young girls, Lori Lee Farmer, Michelle Heather Goose, and Doris Denise Milner. So they started doing some DNA testing in 1989 on this case. Oh. And um, he, he was indigenous. And so they were able to narrow it down that the DNA was from a person who was indigenous in the United States. So in 2008, they did some more DNA. This is just as, you know, technology gets better and better, right? Mm -hmm. Um, they tried some other DNA they had on a pillowcase. It was too degraded, too deteriorated. They couldn't, they couldn't find a profile. And then in 2017, 30 
$50,000 in donations were raised by the sheriff in this area because this case has haunted Mays County. Right. Like this was such a shocking, horrible crime. And then the guy they know did it got acquitted. I cannot imagine how frustrating. So the sheriff um, in that county, they worked and raised $30,000 to do the DNA testing and use the latest, most advanced testing. Mm -hmm. That didn't actually, we didn't actually get um, results on that until 2022, like last week. Wow. Which is kind of weird. But turns out, big surprise or not, the DNA is Gene Leroy Hart. So finally, so long after the fact, um, you know, they determined that he, in fact, was the killer all along. Mm -hmm. Wow. Sadly, died in prison in 1979 and never really faced justice for this. But at least we know. I guess. Mm. Let me show you some pictures. These are the girls. Oh. We're just little girls, eight, nine, yeah. and ten. Wow. But you know, it's a DNA for the win. It Kinda. is. It is. At least now we know. But it, I cannot imagine, mm-hmm. you know, being the police officers and the prosecutor that worked yeah. this case originally, how frustrating this must be. That he was acquitted all that long time ago and his poor family had to, or their, the poor families of the kids had to go through all of that. Now, two of the families have really gotten involved. Richard Goose, uh, he went on to help the state legislature um, pass Oklahoma Victims Bill of Rights. Oh, Wow. And he also um, helped to found the Oklahoma Crime Victims Compensation Board. Wow. And another parent, Sherry Farmer, founded the Oklahoma Chapter of Parents of Murdered Children, which is a support group. Mm -hmm. So the families, you know, obviously tried to put their energy into making things better and helping future crime victims. But this was definitely. Yeah, they did. But yeah, these murders should have never happened. No. No, they should not. The families wow. actually sued the scout, uh, the camp, mm-hmm. because of how far away the kids were from yeah. the camp counselors. Uh, but they lost in court. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. But, you know, uh, just having gone to camps ourselves, mm-hmm. there was definitely, probably because of this case, more safety measures in place. Mm-hmm. And, and actual mm-hmm. fences with locked gates and, you know, yeah and more counselors yeah. around, you know, closer to, mm-hmm. you know, sp- spread out in between the tents with, with the campers themselves and things. So mm-hmm. I mean, that, but, that camp sounds a lot like the Girl Scout camp we attended. Yes, we it does. It's quite it similar. a lot like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Huh. Yeah. So. Well, how sad. Wow. There you have it. Um. Heart is guilty. Yeah. If it helps. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I know we now have an update from you, and I cannot remember what well, segment you're doing. It is a DNA doing. for the win. It is a DNA for the win. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So 
So this was a cold case out of San Diego. Uh, in 1988, on May 2nd, Diane Dan did not show up for work. Mm. Very unlike her, this is Diane. She was also a violinist and a mother of a two-year-old little boy. Oh, wow. One of her co-workers went to her house, was one of her friends, went to her house to see what was up because it was very unlike her to not show up to work. Sure. And her two-year-old was wandering her house uh, her apartment, and she was dead in her bedroom. Oh, no. She'd been bludgeoned and stabbed to death, and her death was ruled a homicide right away. But they had nothing. And they have tried and tried and tried to come up with a suspect. Her son was two at the time. He is now 36, I believe. And he has continued to ask questions all of this time sure. about what happened to his mother. Oh. Well, he was adopted by a family friend and was able to see his grandparents and biological family and, you know, remain connected to his family, but also grew up without a mother. Mm. And of course, doesn't remember her because he was two when she died. And thank goodness he wasn't killed. I mean, it's, can you imagine I the, the thought that somebody who stabbed her to death in her bed and just left the baby wandering the house? Yeah, wow. Oh, that would, that's like that freaking bass guy, bass web. Oh, yes. That, uh, decapitated a woman on the couch and her two little girls were asleep in bed. Yeah. And then he oh. went and told the police, you better go over there and, you know, get her off the couch before those little girls wake up. What? Such a monster. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so here's what happened. So they started doing some DNA. And, of course, you know, they started doing investigative genetic DNA to try mm -hmm. to, because uh, they have had DNA all this time, but. It wasn't, there was no match in CODIS. And every few years they run it through CODIS again, you know, because her son's just not shutting up about it. He wants answers. Right. As well, he should have answers. So they run it through CODIS a few times with no match. And then in May, 2020, they ran it again and started using genetic genealogy from people who had uh, uploaded their DNA onto a public site. and. They started, they were able from there to start creating a profile. They created nine family trees with 1,300 people connected and kept narrowing it down, narrowing it down, narrowing it down. Finally, were able to get to people who were his family, the, uh, the perpetrator's family, mm -hmm. and actually asked them for uh swabs of their DNA and they gave it mm -hmm. and they were able to prove that the person who killed her was a man by the last name of Robertson who was her neighbor oh my god and they're not entirely sure his name was Warren Robertson mm -hmm. as a lot of these assholes go he's dead Oof. but they at least now know they don't know. They haven't been able to put any connection together. Her family didn't know him. Her friends didn't know him. 
The only connection they could make is that they both uh, liked uh, going to the track and watching cars race. Mm. It, that's well, about yeah, I mean, why? They don't know. They still don't ever, they, they don't know why. But they do know who, finally. So, uh, they also said that they do not believe that he was uh, involved in any other crime. Well, at least as far as uh, this DNA is now in CODIS and it's not matched mm -hmm. up to anything else. So they think that that's true, that he wow. wasn't involved in any other crime. They actually did exhume his body to make sure that they had an absolute clean sample to know for sure that it was him. And it was. Wow. So after all of this time, 36 years later, a little boy has the answer about who killed his mom while he was probably sleeping in that house probably. with her. Wow. Yeah. It has to be at least some level of relief for him, for him to at least know who. I think so. I hope so. But the fact that he will never know why, mm -hmm. because that's just a thing. We need to make sense of it. You know, not that yeah. murder ever makes sense, but to understand what was going on between this person and his mom. Why yeah. did this man kill her? Mm -hmm. That's still got to just really bother him. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. But there is that much closure for her family. So there you have it. DNA for the win. Wow. Well, we've had quite a bit of that today, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Katie. This yeah. is our Wednesday night case. We will be back tonight for Wednesday night case updates. Lots mm -hmm. of interesting things happening in the true crime world. That's our live stream at 7 p.m. Mountain. Yeah. We will be back on Thursday night. At 7 p.m. Mountain, again, with a live stream we call the Psychic Hour, and we will be doing Marching Orders for May. So that's just a reading by Sun sign for May about what we need to know going into this month. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you all for being here. You know we are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and comment. And, you know, if what we do is interesting be sure that you're passing us along to people who may be interested in us as well because that yeah. helps us to grow it sure does yeah well you guys thanks for being here yep <laughs>